only in Jeff Styles America. Hey folks, Jeff Styles here, and today it is Trip to Storyville with old Uncle Hefe. Um, I have been, you know, it's a Chinese curse to say, may you live in interesting times. A curse, not a blessing. Living in interesting times, having an interesting life isn't always what you might think it is, not what it's cut out to be. Um, it usually means a lot of stress and there's no normalcy in your life. My entire life has been interesting. That's pretty much all I need to say. It really has. Every time I tell a story, people who've been around me for any length of time say, you ought to write a book. Well, I'm not going to write a book. That takes effort and skill and probably some small expenditure and I don't have any money to spend on writing a book. So I'm just going to tell some stories from time to time that are not connected to any sort of mainstream happening or current event or topic. I want to say very quickly, I appreciate you guys listening to these podcasts very much. You find them at fredpodcast.com because I've done a radio show called Fred the Show for a long time, free radio every day, fredpodcast.com. And you think, I think, I think, everybody thinks, we think you can also find them at a website that I invented along with my friend Mr. Wizard uh, about a year and a half ago called Jeff Styles America. You hear that little drop only in Jeff Styles America. That's where that came from. And it tells a story of its own. I think you can find them there too, but pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Fred the Podcast. This is a story about the fastest fight I ever saw take place. Hollywood fights are all BS. I mean, nobody stands there and just swaps licks the way that John Wayne did in the movies, where a fight rolls out of a house and rolls down the street and rolls into this building and this saloon, and they're just slugging each other in the face. Nobody fights like John Wick, you know, where they're taking these body blows and they fall three stories onto a, a tin awning and they get up and they're still doing kung fu moves and they're getting cut and shot and they just, it just doesn't work that way. Most fights are just ugly, messy, hair pulling, you know, nose grabbing, ear yanking, just, slobber knockers if they even go that long truth be told most fights end very quickly i remember watching the fight between two guys it was one of those you know three o'clock high things at high school and we all knew that james gore uh one of the toughest guys in school was going to be fighting a guy named jimmy norris and uh and jimmy was was no small potatoes himself behind the gym at three o'clock as school got out we went back there and the fight lasted about 15 seconds James Gore hit Jimmy Norris in the head. He already had stitches from a previous encounter. And James Gore reached up and grabbed him by the hair and started yanking on him. And the guy was going, he got my stitches. He got my stitches. And the guy next to me, Tommy Daniel, TD as we call him, he was, he got that jaw too, boy. And, and he did. Crack, crack. And it was over. And so this tough guy, Jimmy Norris, laying on the ground. And he'd already given up. He called Uncle Calf Roped. And it was all over. That's the way most fights go, at least with young men, boys, behind high school gyms. This was not. It was between two men, grown men, tough men. Truth be told, either one of these guys probably had bodies buried somewhere on their property or in the woods nearby. They really did. And I'm going to go, go ahead and use real names here because the people who know me know I'm going to tell the truth, and they're both no longer with us. They, they're demise. They are no longer here. But they were both really, really, really tough characters. Let me just go ahead and put it to you this way. 
I'm just going to tell the story chronologically. We were at a party, a field party. For those of you who live in the inner city, a field party is exactly what it sounds like. Everybody goes off to somebody's property out in the middle of nowhere, and they go out to a pasture or a piece of woods somewhere that somebody owns, and they have either a keg, which was unusual, or just cases of beer, and they build a big bonfire. They might cook some stuff. They might have a stereo blaring. I don't know, maybe a couple of guitars, but they have a field party. And, of course, at the field party, you had field joints, huge big bombers that had seeds rolled up, and they'd be popping off like Fourth of July in all directions. But everybody would get a buzz and generally have a good time. Sometimes a little roughness might break out. Most of us were young people of high school age. There were a couple of older folks there. All of a sudden, here comes up the dirt road, this big, jammed up, amped up, you know, monster truck looking thing. I'm sure it really wasn't all that powerful, but to us it was at the time. It was probably a, a Blazer or a Bronco. They just had some sort of lift kit on it. But it was Maxi Gay. Maxi Gay was a bad man. Maxi Gay was a tough man. Maxi Gay liked to fight. And as I said in the last podcast, when I was talking to Pimp Jen in here and the things she ought to teach her daughter about getting in some sort of altercation, you don't want to fight somebody who likes to fight, right? Because you probably don't. Maxi Gay liked to fight. He gets out of his truck, literally. Door swings open. Keys are turned off. Ignition dies. We're all standing there looking at him going, oh, hell, here comes Maxi. It's going to be trouble. He comes out, and he's pulling up his pants and adjusting his belt, and he says very loudly, I can whoop any man's ass that's here for $50. For $50, I'll whoop any man's ass that's out here at this damn field party. What Maxie didn't know is that over there at the edge of the fire, in the shadows, on the backside of a big white oak tree, was Pete Mitchell. Pete Mitchell was a bigger man. He was a badder man. He was a tougher man. Pete Mitchell ran the local VFW club. Or maybe it was AMVETS. I never really got to go in there. I was too young to drink. That wasn't really a stop measure for us folks in the backwoods where I was raised. It wasn't a deal killer. But I only went in there a couple of times during the day when I was with my mom, who is a bank loan president. She had to go get some rednecks keys to the car that he'd quit making payments on that's what i knew about the place but i knew that it was a rough and tumble place it was the only place you could actually get a liquor drink anywhere in the region so you can imagine what kind of spot it was it was filled with ne'er-do-wells it was it was filled with uh, you know uh, scoff laws to say the least there was a couple of pool tables uh there might have been a pinball machine something like that mostly it was just a place where people could sit and this was before they even had big monitors with all the games on they just sat there and drank. Well, Pete ran this place, and Pete uh, was the father of a very good friend of mine, a beautiful young lady, and he had a speech impediment. He was not a stupid man. He was not a dumb man. He was very savvy. He had a speech impediment, and it was a cross between a lisp and a stutter, maybe a little bit of Tourette's in there, maybe some sort of verbal dyslexia. I'm, really, I'm, just, I'm not joking here. But he spoke with a strange cadence. Probably what made him so tough was that he had to defend himself from a young age because of this. Well, let me just tell you exactly what Pete said. It's not going to take but just a second. Remember, this is the fastest fight of all time. Pete comes from around the tree. And as he's taking his enormous penis, which you could see from 100 yards away, and he's tucking it back into his pants, and he's zipping it up, 
He'd been urinating, obviously. And he looks across the crowd, across the fire at Maxie, who has just now glanced him. And he says, me take that bet. That's exactly the way he said it. Anybody who was there, if I'm lying, I'm dying, they will back me up. Me take that bet, the $50 bet. Maxie immediately starts crawfishing. He's beginning to shuffle his feet, and his body language goes all submissive. He was a dog. He'd be all hunkered down, you know, tits up on his back, ears lowered, tail between his legs. He's, oh, hell, Pete, I didn't see, I didn't see you over there. Man, I was just funning around. I was just joking. I didn't even know you was here, Pete. And, hell, I, I, ain't even, I ain't even got $50. Pete walks over to the fire. He's now picking up his pace a little bit. He's a mountain of a man. He goes, me whoop your ass on credit said those words <laughs> me whoop your ass on credit and at that point he had made the distance up between him and maxi maxi cowered he bent down he bent his knees and he just put his hands up and pete came around with this massive roundhouse from above from above it was not a punch you would see in a movie it's not a punch you would ever see in a boxing match it's only a punch you would see at a field party gone south and he comes from above with this huge ham of a hand whoop, and hits Maxie in the top of the head. He doesn't hit him in the nose or the temple or the jaw or the solar plexus or the neck or any of the you know eye sockets. And like, hits him on the top of the head and just crumples him. Crumples him like a sack of flour that you've just let go in a warehouse. And it, boom, he falls on the ground right next to the fire. His head almost went into the fire. Somebody kind of kicked his head out of the way to make sure it didn't catch. <laughs> and maybe... 20 seconds went by. Most of that 20 seconds was spent in stunned silence. A couple of the guys started clapping or saying, hey, Pete, way to go, man. Way to go. You're a badass, Pete. Yeah, I never liked Max anyway. And Max, he comes back alive. I mean, he'd literally been white-eyed. His eyes rolled in the back of his head, and he kind of shook a little bit, and he came to. And he started getting up, and Pete goes, you want a nerdin'? I'm going to repeat it again. You want a nerdin'? And Maxie, I got to give him credit. He struggled. He struggled to his knees, and he got up on one knee, and, and he kind of leaned over on his other knee, which is kind of up at the L position. And he goes, "Hell, Pete, I didn't want the one I got." And that was into that fight. <laughs> From the time Maxie got there and opened his door and made that challenge, and the time Pete knocked him out, and that famous lion came out, "Hell, Pete, I didn't want the one I got." Maybe. Altogether, 45 seconds had passed. One lick that met one challenge, one sore head, one slightly bruised fist, and don't think Pete didn't get his money. I guarantee you he did. He might not have got it that night because Maxie got back in his truck or his Bronco or his Blazer, and he put it on back down the road, a beaten man. I guarantee you, if he wanted to get a drink, he knew where he had to go. And he had to face up to Pete, and I guarantee he paid up. So the moral of this story, no matter how big you think you are, there's somebody bigger. No matter how tough you think you are, there's somebody tougher. And no matter what your track record is in any given endeavor, there's always somebody out there who can take you down and turn it around and mess it up. So be careful what you say, who you challenge, 
and don't fuck with Pete. Only in Jeff Styles America. Again, folks, thank you for listening. I guess the second moral of the story, well, it's kind of the first one just repeated. There's always somebody who can take you down. Pete, God bless his soul, actually met his match in the parking lot of the Styles Texaco Station, my family's service station on the corner in downtown Bowden, Georgia. Guy came up and shot him. He was with a woman he probably shouldn't have been with. Guy who should have been with the woman came up and shot him in the face. Uh, you can win a lot of fights, but it's hard to win one against Smith and Wesson pulled on you. So Pete met his match too. So be careful out there, folks. It can happen. In the blink of an eye, things can change in your life or your life can end. So take care of yourself. Uh, thank you very much to my friend Brett Moldenhauer. Uh, Brett is an acupuncturist here in town, and he does a fantastic job in this town being Chattanooga, Tennessee. He also is one of the three main proprietors at North Spring Treatment, North Spring Therapy Center, where you can go and get acupuncture, you can get massage, you can do yoga, you can do all kinds of things. But the cool thing they have is the cryotherapy chamber, which is this super, super, super cold chamber you go into, and you can look it up yourself and see the science behind it, but it works. It helps you heal. Maybe Maxie could have used some of that after that uh, encounter with Pete. Uh, but it, it speeds up all kinds of the cool things and healthy things and healing things in your body, and it decreases inflammation. It's a wonderful thing. You ought to try cryotherapy. Thank you very much, Brett, for being out there. My friend Robin Ring at RC2 Realty Solutions. Robin takes distressed properties, kind of like Maxie was distressed after he got cracked in the head by Pete's big ham hand. It takes distressed properties, and she turns them into non-distressed properties. From crappy to happy, Robin Ring, Robin with a Y, just like Styles with a Y, and Styles Tetsuko with a Y at rc2realtysolutions.com. And of course, our friends at Kelly Subaru, Tim Kelly and his staff, kellysubaru.com. 75 plus years they've been downtown Chattanooga at Riverfront and MLK selling the best automobiles they can possibly get from the dealer and used ones as well. They have a huge, 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 uh, massive array of used cars, gently certified, tested used vehicles down there. And my friend Tim Kelly is also one of the owners of Southern Honda Power Sports. And very, very, if you're looking for off-road anything, Southern Honda Power Sports is the place to go. And also is heavily involved in the Chattanooga Football Club, a tremendously successful soccer team, professional soccer team here in Chattanooga. So thanks to all of my friends out there who listen. Please continue to and subscribe to the podcast if you possibly can. I'm going to be telling more stories not connected to current events or topics or headlines of the day in the near future. The next one coming up, the next one, the next story you hear will be El Jefe's senior high school trip to Florida. All of you folks out there listening, maybe you're already in high school. Maybe you're still in high school. Maybe you wish you were still in high school. Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or just a caring grown-up but you've got somebody in that age bracket getting ready to head off on their summer trip after they graduate. This is a tale of woe and a tale of danger and a story that you should really listen to because if you think you know your kids, you don't know Jack. And they could be heading into a milestone. They could be heading into the jaws of death. Just make sure you listen. You won't believe it's true because most people don't believe my stories are true, but they are. Thank you very much, folks. We'll see you later.